It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. It is Tuesday. It's 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so we are live here talking to two uh, two fantastic leaders, and today is no exception. That's what we do every week, and I'm really excited to bring in uh, these two today. We have a great show lined up for you. You know, I have uh, really the, the privilege of meeting all of these uh, inspiring leaders, these fantastic teachers of what we should be doing to be a talented person, a talented leader in our organization, and of course, learning lessons on what we should be doing with our talent, with those people that we are charged to to inspire and to lead and to help. And so uh, this show is really designed around that idea for us to have that conversation, to talk about what's working, talk about what we're thinking about and seeing. Um, and we've had so many fantastic stories over the years come from our guests. And I, uh, in case you don't know, took a lot of those stories along with my own story and what my company went through and how we came out from the last uh, uh, big uh, heart attack in the world. Uh, and so we put that in a book called The Power of Company Culture. And love to have you check that out. You can get it on Amazon or Bowl or wherever you buy your books. You can find a copy there. So Talent Talk is live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as I mentioned. And most of you actually check us out afterwards. Uh, we have a, a live audience, but most of you come in afterwards. In fact, we have millions of downloads a year. Whether you find us on iTunes, you can subscribe there. You can find us at talenttalkradio.com, where you can subscribe there through that Podbean service or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. We're probably there. If you don't see us there, let us know. But uh, if you subscribe, then you'll be sure to know when a new episode hits and you can listen and uh, hopefully learn something valuable. Social media, Maven Sarah will post those things to Twitter. So make sure if you're listening or if you're catching this afterwards, you go to at peopleg2 or you can follow the hashtag talent talk. And you should be able to see all those little bits of information there. And you can interact with us, comment, let us know what you think. It's been a great way to kind of amp up the conversation as well with those of you that are tuning in. So my guest today, though, let's talk about who's on the show now that we've got through the business. My guests today include uh, Jody uh, Rabinowitz. Uh, she's the head of talent and organizational development at Zoom, which I'm sure if you didn't know who Zoom was before, you know who they are now. And they've become the, I think, the uh, poster child for a uh, for the for the for the COVID uh, uh, response plan. So, and then we're also going to bring in uh, Ryan Berman. He's the founder of Courageous, and uh, Ryan will be joining me during the second half of the show. But uh, like I said, I'm really excited to bring in uh, bring in Jody. Uh, Jody, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be yeah. here. Yeah, and I know we had an opportunity to talk once before, and uh, it was really fascinating to kind of hear about what you guys are going through uh, and your journey in into Zoom. And so, but why don't we just start with you? You know, what's w w tell us what's important for us to know about you, uh, who you are, and and kind of what you're doing over there at Zoom. So my role as talent and organizational development uh, basically means that once our talent is through the door, they're mine. So I don't recruit them, but once they land on our now virtual doorstep, I'm responsible for their happiness, their engagement, their learning, their growing, and their journey, hopefully, for a long time as part of our Zoom community. And I joined pre-IPO a couple months uh, before we went public last May. I've been Zoom since last March. So, it, you know, I'm almost an old-timer um, in that we're scaling at the rate of, uh, 100 employees a month and have been since I joined. We onboarded 200 employees virtually this month. So 
there's lots to build as we scale, and it's just such a cool place and such an interesting place to be. Nobody expected COVID. We were just um, dancing along with our amazing unified communications platform, and who'd have thought that Zoom would be helping the world to stay connected, but here we are today. So before we kind of get into some of the that part of it, what, what what's it like in general? Maybe we kind of up to that point of COVID, right? I mean, what what's what has it been like to work at Zoom? What's the what's the culture like? What are you know? How would you sort of identify how the organization works? Yeah, I mean, the stuff that you read about have or people have maybe read on Glassdoor is all true. Zoom is a company that does cherish the culture um, around caring for um, ourselves, our community, you know, we care deeply about our customers. So, you know, those themes were pervasive before COVID and obviously just amplified during and, you know, now uh, during COVID. But employees love being there. They are super excited about being part of the community. They believe in the product. They're enthusiastic. They love being part of a build. I mean, it is, you know, every company has its warts, but this is a particularly happy place. And people go out of their way to make customers happy, which makes employees happy. It just kind of works, and, and I've never been in a place like this before. And there's a lot of focus on employee well-being. So, and then pre, and then, and I mean, so that just was the tone pre-COVID. And also, we are, like, and ha- like I said, we haven't stopped growing, you know, since I got there. So now we're growing even faster because we have more business and we need to make sure that we're able to service our customers. But, you know, we're always welcoming new people in and just seeing new people and, and growing very rapidly. So, uh and now we're going even faster. So it's, it's, it's what you read is true. A lot of focus on, on happiness. There's something called a happy crew that has a, a budget to, you know, do things like, you know, sports leagues and, and, and gifts to recognize um, employees that go out of their way to, you know, you know, have all kinds of activities like, I mean, you know, wear your pajamas to work day. I'm being silly. But, you know, things that just keep people engaged and happy. And so, really, you know, you're you're in our, there are many organizations like this, but you know, we we, we tend to think about during this uh, time of a crisis that most companies are struggling, most companies are thinking about how they keep their people, most companies are accessing the government stimulus, or you know, sort of in this uh, panic mode, right? And and there are a lot like that, and and are dealing with that stuff, and uh, certainly, you know, we've had to deal with some of that. Sure. But then there are other organizations that are slammed, that are absolutely in high growth mode, that are cannot possibly keep up with demand and are maybe find themselves in a completely un, uh, unexpected waters. And I would imagine that at some level that would be Zoom, right? I and mean, I think when you and I talked, you said you guys maybe had a very specific use case for who, who would be using your platform and how, and then all of a sudden everyone's on it, right? That's and right. So, and so maybe you could talk about what are some of the challenges, what are some of the things you've had to think through and and do to to really, I guess, rise to the occasion uh, for this sort of unexpected, you know, business model. So first, let me begin by saying that you know every employee that shows up at Zoom is a human being before they're a Zoom employee. So our own employees are dealing with the fear of getting sick or maybe knowing somebody that they love is sick or somebody that they love has died. Our employees are home educating their kids. Our employees may have significant others or people that are close to them that are out of work. So, you know, before their Zoom employees, they are like everybody else in the world today managing this very frightening pandemic. And the other thing is only 25% of the Zoom workforce was remote pre-COVID. So we have brick-and-mortar locations, and most people are used to going to one. So we, And while we're fluent in our tool, now all of a sudden 75% of our workforce has to work from home and then use our own platform you know, to converse day-to-day. So you take that, being human, on top of working from home, 
uh, making that adjustment like many other people. And then you have the obligation, the honor, and the commitment to take care of customers who are themselves in panic mode, who do need to stay connected to keep people employed, and an enormous amount of volume. And on top of that, I'm trying to describe the challenge, on top of that you have people whose roles temporarily may have shifted or have shifted to respond to customer demand. So I'll give you an example. You have a business development rep whose job is all day fishing for new leads, all day. That's what they do. That's what they're hired to do is discover a new lead and make a connection for an account executive to then go in and potentially make a deeper, a deeper sale. And there's so much inbound requests that the folks whose role is to go outbound, they, they need to begin to respond. They can't do it as a, you know, just because the nature of the, the work is shifted. So they need to make sure that they're servicing inbound calls. So you have folks whose roles are only outbound who now need to answer customer service calls or go to, you know, answer a Zendesk ticket or learn to provision uh, a tool so that it can get turned on. And those are really challenging things for people who have to learn a brand new skill set um, immediately in order to service a customer that absolutely has their own anxiety about taking care of business. So those are big challenges, and with those challenges come lots of opportunities, but it doesn't feel like an opportunity in the middle of the, of the you know, the workload or, you know, the, 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 the chronic feeling of stupidity because you're doing a new skill, you're doing something new for the first time that takes a little time to get some mastery. So our own people have learned, you know, intricacies of our tool. They've learned to, you know, use our own resources to learn how to counsel a customer on how to, you know, do something technically that they never had to do before because it's never been their job. We've got people doing that. That's their day job. But um, given the volume, they just need to respond to taking care of our customers. So it's it's been challenging um, and just it's hard for people who care deeply to make sure that our own uh, our customers are I keep repeating cared for when they too have their own stories right uh, yeah. somebody gave a story about walking somebody through how to you know make a, a a webinar so that you know a warehouse manager um, so that they can communicate how they're going to get five million face masks out deployed into a hospital system, right? So you've got somebody who's never done that before counseling this manager on how to get it done, you know, for this really important cause. So high stakes but high reward. And so I think those are some of the challenges that, you know, we've had to face, taking care of people who are overwhelmed by this pandemic, who have to keep people employed, who have to keep people connected when it comes to things like being in a hospital system, right, under unusual circumstances with their own personal stories. Well, it sounds like there's some real uh, incredible places for opportunities there. I mean, you, you covered a lot of things, but you have people that are maybe finding themselves in new positions than what they were hired for, and that's possibly an opportunity to discover some people that maybe are doing some fantastic things. It sounds like... Um, Having your people if, go from about 50% of the workforce moving from brick and mortar into virtual may may really yield a lot of innovation that may be important for all of us as customers uh, down the line. When you have people who are using the product in a very different way, in a very unique way, that you know who knows what may come out of this um, that may be super beneficial for the long-term health of the company. So uh, I, I'm hearing this and, and thinking there's some might be some excitement there on on some of the opportunities and things you may be able to do going forward, especially with as much as you're growing and as many people as you're bringing in. Uh, do you think that that's how the organization views it as well, or is it, you know, too much too fast? Probably both. There, you know, <laughs> um, you know, this, this much growth this quickly um, uncovers opportunities to discover or build new processes that didn't, you know, that didn't exist, things that might be more efficient for our 
on both internally and and to reach our customers. We um, we have never virtually onboarded a hundred people before, and interestingly enough, we were moving towards that direction because we're global. Um, and what we were doing is flying people in for training, um, and so we knew that as we scaled, that wasn't that wasn't possible. But our onboarding with a hundred people. We have gotten the most incredible feedback. The it, it's it's amazing how intimate our tool can be with a hundred people by using the breakout sessions. Um, we are constantly mixing the hundred people up, so they're meeting new people in smaller groups. We have them like create an elevator pitch while they're in a virtual background of an elevator. We get the, they get to listen, all 100 people, to a choir sing for three and a half minutes. It's just, it's like people are like, are crying just to have this really visceral dip into our culture, listening to, to videos, listening to each other, listening to going and playing in our website collectively and learning about our products. So we have, have leveraged our own tool and discovered the power of using our platform to connect 100 people every month. So that was a big discovery for us. And, it's, and I think people will discover that there can be there can be connection. Um, I ask our own people, why do you think, what have you learned about our tool that you didn't know before? And they, they talk about even having greater connection to one another, that people are more focused, that every box in the gallery is the same size, so there's a, a better sense of equity and inclusion. The, the extroverts can talk and their box can light up. The introverts can chat or annotate or give a wave or a clap, you know, you know acknowledging as, you know, that they're part of the conversation. So I think there's been our own innovation, our own discovery around um, the power of our, our tool. And, and, and there will be more. I don't know. I'm not part of the secret vault of, of uh, what's happening in product, but um, this certainly is a, an impetus to continue and always continue to up our game. And, 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 and we've gotten so much feedback from the public about how user-friendly, and again, like you said, our platform wasn't built, you know, for the B2C. It was built business to business. But just the creative things, that, ways that people are, are um, using our, our platform, we have a, a chat called Innovate, um, Inspiring and Cool Stories, and Eric commented the other day. Somebody was did this thing in the virtual background where they were um, like a magic trick where they cut somebody in half. I don't know how they did it, but it was so cool, and it became their virtual background. So there's all kinds of innovation from the public, like crowdsourcing ideas. We get all kinds of ideas that are coming through. So it'll be fun to see how things how things get deployed internally. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and so I'm wondering if there's something that you, maybe you've learned about your people or the company or the culture now that you've sort of been through part of this rapid change and rapid uh, uh, sort of response. Um, you know, like you said, you guys were B2B. Now you have B2C play. Now you have uh, teachers. I mean, my wife is using the platform to teach yeah. uh, every single day. I mean, suddenly it's a teaching tool. For me, it's been my extrovert uh, lifeline because I've been able to book, you know, dinners with friends at, and, uh, you know, still be able to see and talk to people from around the world, not feel so lonely when we were uh, in, in doing the quarantine thing. So is there something maybe you've learned through all of this as well? Yeah, so, um, you know, being in my role, um, I, I'm not customer facing, so I don't, I can't contribute to the customer piece. I can only contribute to the customer piece by taking care of our own employees. And, you know, my call to action was what can we do to take care of our own people? And there was tons of stuff that came out immediately on how to work virtually and, you know, stretch your legs and put a plant on your desk and get up and walk around and, you know, have one-on-one -on -one meetings. But there was nothing about really how you fundamentally have conversations about what it means to have deep conversations of how are you really doing and how are you really feeling and what can I really do to support you. And we ran these sessions within tech teams with managers and their teams and asked, 
How are you guys taking care of each other? What have you discovered about your team? What have you discovered about your leadership? Hey, manager, what have you discovered about your people? You know, what, what, are, what are the powerful things that you've learned that you're going to mo- take forward with you? Um, what are the things that you want to leave behind that you had before COVID that, um, have changed, that will change the dynamic of your teams? And people spoke so deeply and people spoke with such heart. I have never experienced such love and connection amongst our employees. It, 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 was, it was really moving and so powerful and a privilege to be a part of this community and see how, I mean, people said things like, I would go to war, I would go into battle with this manager, or a manager said, I knew, I knew, you know, when I hired each and every one of these people, when I hired when I interviewed each and every one of these people, I wanted these people on my team. And, and a chance for managers who were slogging through uh, to hear gratitude from their people. Really powerful stuff. I'm talking feelings. Like it, if it weren't group therapy, um, it had structure. It was really about feelings. So the power of connection, resilience, love, gratitude, appreciation for being at this company and being able to contribute to literally keeping the world together was, uh, you know, a once in a lifetime right. um, opportunity. Uh, that That's sounds the power uh, of culture. Fa- fantastic. And I'm sure you'll probably remember this moment in your career for a very long time. And uh, we have just here 90 seconds left. I want to make sure I get my last two questions in here really quick before we have to go to commercial break. But is there a book that you're reading right now that you or one that you typically suggest people check out? Oh, my God. Um, so I'm reading a non-related. Well, actually, I'm listening to um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book on strangers, which is very interesting yeah. Great book. in the midst yeah. of uh, in the midst of Black Lives Matter. Quite frankly, um, but before that, um, I, I was listening to a book called um, uh, by Lori Gottlieb called "I Think I Should Talk to Somebody" or something like that. It's it's a therapist who writes about her patients who are in therapy while she herself is in therapy, and the reason why I, I you know reading two books at this time about those things is because we're just so human. We're so fundamentally human. We're such we're all in this together. I know that sounds trite, but we are in it whether we're a Zoom employee or not Zoom employee. So there's something about the universality of the human condition that I've been reading about. Maybe it's unconscious, but um, those are the two books that I've that I've you know that I just finished um, or in the middle of the Strangers and and just finished the uh, the the Lori the Lori Gottlieb book. So, well, we will add know. those to our uh, to our little Twitter feed here in case anyone wants to check them out. Uh, how can people find out more about Zoom or if they want to look to to apply for a job, with, you know, or connect with you? What's the best way for them to to do that? Yeah, connect with me, you know, uh, by LinkedIn. Um, go to our website. We're definitely hiring. Um, you know, I don't have any influence, and you're getting hired, so please don't send me a LinkedIn <laughs> message saying, please hire me. Um, but, you know, we've got great recruiters that are always looking for great people, so go ahead and apply for jobs. And, you know, just keep an eye on us and, and know that um, we are we're doing our best to, to, you know, keep you connected to the people that you love. Well, Jody, thank you so much for being on the show today and being thank a fantastic you, guest and giving us such an insight into – you know, I think a lot of people are really interested in, in what's been going on over there. And uh, as if, like I said, if Zoom wasn't on your radar before, it certainly is now. So okay. uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Stay well. Take care. All right. We'll be back, back after this quick commercial break. And we'll bring in my second guest, Ryan Berman. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. 
Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news, or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. If you missed my uh, first guest, uh, Jody uh, Rabinowitz with uh, uh, Zoom, you can uh, get that uh, uh, we'll release this on iTunes and uh, you know everywhere we get your podcast. So subscribe on iTunes or subscribe at talenttalkradio.com. And then as soon as it hits live or for the podcast download, you will get alerted. I'm really excited to bring in uh, my next guest. Ryan Berman is a founder of Courageous. He's an author, he's a CEO, and he's been bringing people together recently. And we're going to get to be uh, talking about that in a minute. But don't forget to follow at PeopleG2 on Twitter, that hashtag Talent Talk. All of our best little one-liners, links to things will all appear there in case you are maybe somewhere where you can't jot it down. So anyways, uh, Ryan, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, Chris. How you doing, my man? Doing well, doing well. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, why don't you give us the quick, you know, who are you? What, what, you know, why are you on this show? What, what's important for our conversation today to know about you? Yeah, I'm Ryan Berman. I'm, as you perfectly stated, I'm, I'm the founder of a company called Courageous. And... You know, we're living in this courage-deficient time where I think we need courageous people and leaders now more than ever, but a lot of us don't know how to do that or how to unlock that in our in our teams or in our ideas. So, uh, and why me? Like, why am I the, the person to talk about this topic? I was fortunate to spend about a 1,000 days where I just got quiet and went on a listening tour interviewing uh, what I called the brave, the, the bullish, and the brainiac. And came out the other side of a, a clearer definition of what of what courage is and how we could actually do that in a way that's not going to ruin our careers or our businesses. So to tell me about how you, how that journey started. I mean, that's really fascinating that you spent that time to do that. So how did that start? What did that look like? Maybe you can kind of go a little deeper there. Yeah, Chris, I you know I'm a recovering advertising guy. So I spent uh, let's see, I, I learned from some great ones in New York City and moved to California thinking I was moving out here to write movies, not live one. And uh, next thing you know, I ended up starting a creative agency and we, we grew it to 70 people. And when you're based in San Diego and you're trying to compete against New York or LA or the, the creative meccas, you, you have to look for little advantages. And so, gosh, back in 2015, I thought what I was doing was writing a a book to position my last business against those big cities. And as I went on the journey myself, pretty much uh, ended up firing myself and uh, starting starting my new business called Courageous. Kind of, I guess if you're going to write a book about courage, you have to make the courageous choice yourself. So, yeah, the, the idea is I, I basically got to sit with the you know, founder of Method Soap, the president of, now, of Domino's Pizza, the uh, president of Royal Caribbean, people at Harvard, Amazon, Google. And then when you think about courage, like Navy SEALs and astronauts and tornado chasers, uh, I, you know, I still can't really fully explain why all these people let me in their lives because I wasn't paying them and they weren't clients. They were just, I guess they just resonated with the idea that courage has been a an ingredient that they've served in their life. It's been part of their lives. And coming out the other side, I, I wrote a book called Return on Courage, which is now a best-selling book. And um, the idea is I think anybody can unlock courage if and learn how to do it in a calculated fashion, assuming we're open to the idea of, of the training. So, so what does that mean to a return on courage? Are we... Are we asking people to suddenly be braver? Are we suddenly asking them to maybe to be more thoughtful about what they actually want to accomplish? I mean, what, what does that mean in your mind? Yeah, it, it's it's a it's such a good question. I mean, the 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 idea of return on courage. Obviously, we're we're linking it back to a KPI, right? ROC is how you maximize your ROI. But the definition I like more is that any willing business, being your brand 
can return on the Courage platform. We just have to learn how to do it. And, you know, I, I talk about this in the book, but I think we have the wrong idea of what courage is. And if you look at the dictionary definition, the definition is, as for the dictionary, is the ability to do something that frightens you. And I don't know about you, but like that, like please step forward. I'm taking a step back on, on doing that. And then you layer on the idea of doing something terrifying at work, and it's a double no. So at first, I was just trying to come up with a, a better definition of courage that you could utilize in real time and activate in real time. And the definition that I ended up kind of going with was a bit algebraic. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. And you're never going to have all uh, all the knowledge you need to make a call, which is why you need faith. And when we're talking about faith, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about inner belief. You know, what do you feel? And all that knowing and all that feeling is all for naught if you don't leap, if you don't take action. So knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. I love that. And, you know, I think it's often I see people who are, are not able to make decisions or they're not able to, to be brave or to be courageous or, you know, to, 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 to kind of, I guess, take that leap, right? And, and the difference often is that they lack uh, the, the structure, they lack a system, they lack some sort of a you know, way, I guess, to make sense of it all. And, you know, it's, it, it, in many ways, it can be learned. I think we sort of have this, like, I don't know, belief that people just, you know, pop out uh, out of their mom's womb and, and they're leaders and that, you know, or they're brave or that they're whatever. And, and in most cases, it's not the case, right? They've had good mentors. They've learned. They've, they've seen how people do it. And, and it's a lot easier to be confident uh, if you have a system to be confident with. Um, you know, it's like if you, sports is, I, I always hate to go to sports, but I always seem to go there. But if, if you practice kicking a ball over and over and over again, you're going to be pretty confident about what you can do in kicking that ball. And yet we sort of expect, I think, as in the human experience, well, I don't know how to make this big decision. Well, you haven't had any practice. You haven't had any coaching. You haven't had any structure there. I mean, it, 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 do you agree with that? Or is there something else that we're sort of missing in that uh, equation of what I've laid out? No, I, I think we, we talked to tears about, like, know your why and, and find your why. And and um, we just haven't done a really good job of the how. Where's the how? Like, you know, you figure out your how to do something. And I think when most people think about courage, at least in the research that I did with with owners of businesses, they're like, it's a peripheral idea, meaning they're so focused on the day-to-day, -day, just so focused on what's right in front of their face they're, that they're really not thinking about how courage plays a role in their everyday life. So why would you train for something that you don't think you really need when you're reacting to something else? And maybe that's part of the problem is we're, you know, think about like for your listeners, are, are you, are you being proactive about figuring out your tomorrow? Are you, are you reactive on what you just have to deal with today? Or are you just inactive? You're just frozen for all the reasons that you might be frozen in a time like today. And, um, and then I had a chance to interview Jay Cohn Gilbert. He was one of the founders of and one. And then he went on to found uh, B corporation. I don't know if you're familiar with the B corps, but yeah. Jay was, Jay was like, you know what? If you put the business on timeout for just one second, it's it's not peripheral. It is central to the business, and we need to be thinking about being more courageous. And to your point, Chris, I never thought in a million years that I would be a guy with a method. Like, that's not where I saw my life going. But after being an observationalist for three years, you come out the other side with a, a training mechanism to helping companies almost take the courage out of courage, right? And give them the tools that they need, the knowledge they, they need to make it a little bit easier to take that courageous leap of faith. So where do you think purpose sits in all of this? Because I've often found that, you know, there are some jobs where purpose comes so easily. It is, you know, if you if you decide to be a teacher, if you decide to be a police officer, a firefighter, if you decide uh, to become a nurse or a doctor, I mean, Purpose is like locked and loaded into your job description, and you go into that job knowing what you're intending to do and to provide to the world and society. 
But if you're going to be the middle manager of a, you know, insert company here, you know, I think people get lost in maybe not having a purpose for themselves, not understanding what their company's purpose is. And maybe it's not as defined. It's harder to, it's harder to really articulate. And it's in that moment where I see people flailing. They're not able to, to be courageous. They're not able to make big, tough decisions. They're not able to be great managers or great leaders because they don't really know why they're there or where they're going. Um, does that play a big part in, in this equation that you've developed? Yeah, it has to. And the answer is, yeah, I mean, sure, it's, it is certainly a lot easier to, like, activate your purpose when you're SpaceX, right? When it's, you know, I'm going to give up a Saturday, I guess, to put human life on another planet. You know, <laughs> what are you doing today? Uh, but to me, this is not about the – this is not the middle manager's fault. Like, if I am the leader of an organization, I need to be really, really clear on what our purpose is. And, you know, I think Simon Sinek said it great with, about knowing your why, and I, my little – been on that is I think you got to put a rally cry in that why like what is the rally cry and is it clear have you made it clear to your team the direction that everybody's going after and once that rally cry in your why is set and it's locked then everyone actually it, it actually picks up time because you know how you can operate off of that particular purpose and so you know look a great purpose it, it needs to be purposeful obviously it needs to be truthful and it has to be emotional because without emotion there's just no behavior change and finally it needs to be different like it, if someone's already locking down your purpose you need to go find a, a different purpose and uh, I just don't see how we you know come out of this new world you know and I don't don't over out fully right of COVID but life after COVID or life with COVID, the next generation is going to want to work at purpose-driven companies. The good ones are going to want to not spend eight hours sleeping at work and then sleeping at night. They're going to want to work at companies that are, are driven by purpose and making the world a little bit of a better place. Right. Absolutely. Well, I know you have in your book these four truths uh, for the business apocalypse. So can you share those with us? Yeah, the way the book ended up breaking down, and I do, I describe it more like a documentary than a book. And, um, you know, as I kept working on it, the, the there was little pivots along the way. And where I landed was the front half of the book really was the why now. Like, why, why now, of all things, do I think courage is the missing ingredient? That really is the difference between a company that we know about or that stays relevant and a company that dies off or we, or we never heard of. And then there's a midpoint of the book. It's a, a three-page chapter called Break Glass Before Emergency because you kind of have to learn how to do this courage thing before you need it. And then where, where why now is the front half, the how is, is the back half. It really is written like a playbook and there's worksheets in the book. And so in the, in the why now section, early on I talk about these four truths of the business apocalypse. And, you know, if one of them was swirling around, it would be bad enough. The fact that all four are happening. You, you see why people are freaked out. You understand where paralysis is coming in. Um, second guessing is coming in. Um, and the first truth is, you know, that companies are perishing at an all time rate. You, know, you got over half the fortune 500 since 2000 that are gone. That number is going to hold. You're going to have around 9,000 brands that rattle on and off the fortune 500 over the next six decades. And, um, I think I saw a statistic that 50 years ago, if you made it on the Fortune 500 list, you were, you could coast. You would be around for 75 years on that list, and now it's just under 12. So, look, the whole point is to shake people because people don't think statistics are for them, but for other people, that there's uh, you know every statistic under the sun that says we need to take this seriously, and that there's a a literal grave danger that is right in front of you, and it's even you or it's your competitor that is at risk here. And so we start with that, that reality. The second truth of the business apocalypse is what got you here won't keep you here. The problem is we're so reacting to our day-to-day -day that we're putting no process and infrastructure. We're putting no budget 
towards thinking through what the next wave of innovation is. And I think that is one of the problems. We're so good at innovation and we're so good at invention, but we have a hard time with reinvention with the next wave. So helping comp- like companies really think through, you know, hey, that thing that you're doing right now, you got to start working on your tomorrow and your what's next, which leads to the third truth of the business apocalypse, which is you need time, but you don't have time. And, you know, this is a tricky thing because you're supposed to be working on your tomorrow, but you don't have any time to do so. And not only do we have turnaround time issues, turnaround time lags, but we have turnover time lags. So, again, you got people that are leaving, especially if there's a company that doesn't have purpose figured out. I think it's the highest rate that employees have turned over in 16 years. Deloitte did a study um, that said I think 43% of millennials will be in a new job in the next two years. So, if all these people are leaving, then it takes all that time to find somebody new and they have to train that person up versus just getting the organization tight from the beginning with a true purpose where we're leading through our values. And I'm happy to talk about values all day, by the way, if we want to have that <laughs> chat. So really thinking through like, how do you like actually lead through your values and lead through your purpose? So people want to stick around and have right. conviction for your place, which leads to the fourth and final truth, which is we're literally wired to fear change. And, uh, you know, I went to television radio school in upstate New York, had no idea how we were wired. So went in search of people that really could explain what was going on on the inside. And, you know, when was the last time that the, the word central nervous system just came up in a, in a layman conversation? It's not like, uh, hey, did you see LeBron James last night? His central nervous system was unbelievable. It's not exactly dinner conversation. But really, that's the lieutenant that's, calling all the shots and your central nervous system if you break it down right at the core of you you have this system this operating system that's designed for nervousness it's it's there to keep you safe but it's calling out like don't touch that don't suggest that to a boss definitely don't raise your hand now and it, it's it thinks it's doing exactly what it should be doing which is keeping you in the safe zone but we never really created a process to combat the realities of your central nervous system which is what I try to do in the book. Well, that's uh, I think that's a really cool way to think about it. I mean, I've, I maybe have always approached it more in a from a neurological standpoint, or you know, cognitive biases or those things. But to think about it as a central nervous system, whether it's a reaction or a, a defense mechanism or an impulse control, uh, is a really cool way to think about it as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, one try, go ahead in the book. I you know, in the book, I, I that's the whole back half is. You know, what if what if we could develop a central courage system to combat the realities of your central nervous system, right? Because right. we really haven't dealt with this is, you know, my my brain sherpa along the way. His name is Nicholas Al, Cambridge PhD immunologist. He, I'm grateful to have found him because he really like held my hand and explained what is going on on the inside, and he describes the brain almost like a reverse onion and the layers and layers of trauma. Right, that trauma could be, you got your, you know, you said something in, in your first job and got your head bit off by a terrible boss, or maybe there's something that happened in high school that you just haven't been able to, to let go of. And I don't know if you've ever walked back through the hallways of your high school, but it's just, you know, you're like, this is what I was afraid of, this little hallway. But in your mind, it feels like so much bigger, and we've created no strategies to deal with these bad emotions and fear. And so I try to do that in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, it's an important uh, path. I mean, whether you're going to walk through it, uh, through a book, uh, through a mentor, through a therapist, uh, whoever that may be, it's, it's, it's an important layer to un sort of undo uh, inside your brain. I mean, you know, are, are you avoiding having a difficult conversation with your boss because at your first job you got your head bit off by a bad boss, right? I mean, that, that is a very common thing. Uh, people believing that your boss is out to get you. I mean, if your first job was at some crappy pizza joint and your manager was some, you know, terrible person, you know, that doesn't mean that now in your adult job that, you know, you can't trust your boss. So that person's going to bite your head off if you come to them with a problem or a criticism or whatever. So it's a, it's a really great thing to think through. You know, I think you you and I got sort of connected through a, a mutual uh, friend connection. And I, I've been on some of your these sort of courage calls that you, you've had over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, 
they've really been fascinating. Everything from having somebody sing and talking about music to, uh, you know, the last one was really getting into a discussion around race and, and what's happening in our country right now. Um, so maybe you could talk about how did that start uh, and, and what, you know, what type of people would be the right people to think about maybe attending one of those if they're interested. Yeah. Well, I'm, again, I'm so grateful that the universe brought us together because um, I thought even for the, for your listeners, many of your comments in the last action chat, and we had about 50 people in the Zoom, just great perspective, Chris. And, and I think the, the room needed to hear what you shared. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we started these courageous action chats. They, they go every Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. We're just um, bringing people together for perspective. And it honestly started, you know, when, when COVID hit 13 weeks ago, 14 weeks ago. And as an extrovert, I need people. I need to see faces. So right. it was, I don't know what percentage of selfishness it was, but, but <laughs> you know, when your platform is courage and you want to create a platform where people can talk about hard things and talk about change. Um, and my partner in, in crime on this is a, is a guy named Rhett Power. And so, so Rhett and I, we, we basically try to just co-host a one-hour Zoom um, to end our week. It's a little chicken soup for the soul. And we try to stay on on the topic for whatever is sort of going on for the week. Um, people can sign up for that on, through my newsletter, which you can sign up for on returnoncourage.com. But really what we do is just try to start the session with the thought for the day and then bring on a couple speakers who can make us think just a little bit differently about certain topics. And we've had Landon Donovan on who's, probably the best, you know, American soccer player or Emily Wolf, who's a Austin rock star uh, to Eric Ryan, who's the founder of Method Soap. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if we'll continue this for the, the long haul, but you can't sit here and say the definition of courage is knowledge plus faith and plus action and then not take action on an idea. So we wanted to create a safe platform. And if you're open to, being part of a conversation and even the constructs that we've created, it, it makes it easy to, you know, connect with the other people in the room, throw a comment in there, throw a question in there. And again, the idea, like I said, was we had this pandemic that was quite paralyzing, but they, you, then you add on a layer of a loneliness epidemic and it's a dangerous combination. So this was just our way of getting together, building community once a week creating a safe space for a real conversation. And um, so far it's been, I hope you've been enjoying it. And Chris, I really do hope you keep coming back to it. And we're going to keep keep it going, including this Friday. We're going to have Laura King on the on the, the, the action chat, who is Rodney King's daughter, to, to talk about a little bit about what she's doing now with everything that's going on. Wow, that would really be uh, fascinating. And uh, I appreciate you, you know, uh, lack of a better word for you having the courage to, to bring these kinds of people together. I mean, and to, to be able to have a conversation around it. I think many of us would like to have more conversations about this. And yet we find ourselves in these really superficial, cheap conversations on social media that don't convince anyone to change their minds and maybe have some level of frustration. And we kind of just throw our hands up and say, well, I know that this group of people agree with me and these group of people, I only know how to reach them. I only know how to get to them. And it's, I think it's important to have these types of conversations where we can uh, maybe feel empowered or maybe feel like we've learned something new that can help us in that next conversation. Um, so I appreciate uh, all that you're doing and hopefully I can uh, definitely be there and, uh, and learn from that one. You know, one of the things that we do love to ask our guests, uh, if and hopefully you have a great answer for us, uh, you know, is there a book uh, that you're reading these days that you might suggest to us or maybe one that you typically suggest people check out? Yeah, I mean, there's two. You know, one is is uh, Scott Galloway's book. I think it's called The Four. So the business book is The Four that looks at, um, hopefully I'm getting the title right. Uh, and it, he basically looked at Facebook, uh, Apple, Google, and Amazon and how they're doing what they're doing. And I'm just so curious of how how companies build and scale and how, how BMFs get to that size. So there's just lots of little snippets and facts in there that I found fascinating. And then the other book I would, I think even more important, to be honest, is a book called Essentialism. And uh, it's Greg McCown's book. 
And I really hope that people have taken advantage. And it's hard because there's so many scary things going on in the world. And Maslow always seems to come out on top for many of us. But just the, the, the think time, really the, the, the necessary think time to ask yourself what is essential and where should you be spending your time? And frankly, where shouldn't you be spending your time? So the book is called Essentialism, and it really talks about learning tools to stay focused on the things you should say yes to and, you know, also all of the things you should probably say no to. Well, that think time is so important. We've it's come up a couple of times today, and I definitely want to make sure people remember to book that time in their calendar. Don't just say, well, I'm going to do it. And for a lot of people, we have removed their commute. We have removed time when they were taking time to think. And working from home is fantastic, and you can be more productive and all of that. But if you're not replaced that with something, meditation, a block of time to sit outside and think, whatever it is, you have to be intentional about it. And I hope people will really consider doing that because it is so, so important to just allow your mind time without your phone, without a distraction, uh, you know, to just to sit and think and ponder and so many great ideas. Uh, it, it's, it's probably no uh, mistake why so many ideas happen in the shower um, because you are completely, uh, you know, have to just spend your time thinking. You can't do anything else. So uh, anyways, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Ryan. How can people find out more about you, get a hold of you, and, and learn more? Well, first, first of all, please do. Like, I, I'm a social creature, so if uh, someone wants to reach out on LinkedIn or probably even the fastest way to find me is through returnoncourage.com or ryanberman.com. You know, would love people to reach out and just hear what their take is on do we need courage today or how are you unlocking courage? Or even if you just wanted a little nudge, uh, I'm happy to do my part and help where I can. Well, again, Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show today uh, and for everything that you're doing. Hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool things you're doing. Of course. Good to talk to you, Chris. Thanks, Ryan. All right, next week uh, we'll be back with a live show June 16th, and we'll bring in our guest, Mike Miller, Director of Talent Acquisition at Chipotle. So until then, uh, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 